Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast. <clears throat> this is a penultimate episode of the season. The Meet the Mancunian podcast takes you on a weekly journey around the local community in Manchester. Season 2 has an interesting lineup of inspiring guests making a social or community impact in the city. Presented by Deepa Thomas Sutcliffe, newbie Mancunian. Tune in every Tuesday for your weekly dose of inspiration. As season 2 draws to a close on Tuesday, 14th June 2022, I wanted to let my loyal listeners know that I'll be taking a 5-week break to spend some time with my family. My parents are visiting from India and with the pandemic we haven't seen each other since 2019. I'm recording guests for season 3 and plan to launch it on Tuesday 19th July 2022. I do hope you'll continue to listen to the podcast both older favorite episodes and new interesting ones. And now it's time for the 11th episode. Are you passionate about representation in books? We hear from Aisha Ansari Chaudhary, founder Mirror Me Write. in this episode i'm delighted to introduce my guest aisha ansari chaudhary thank you aisha for joining me today hi deepa uh, no not at all and uh, thank you so much for having me um, it's a long name so <laughs> you know I, i don't mind at all but no you did a really great job so thank you how did you find your passion for representation in books um you know it's really funny actually i think my journey's kind of come full circle um my grandmother not my grandmother my mother uh, my mother and my grandfather um were both librarians and um i was always introduced to books um when i was younger you know we going to the library was like a regular saturday activity um i think with the guys that we were allowed to go to the sweet shop afterwards so we would you know walk down to the library spend our time there then go off and get our sweets and come back with a hoard of books um and it's something you know i really remember uh fondly um And then as time went on I sort of uh, went into other avenues so sort of let, left literature uh, behind a little bit um, and went into the arts and whilst I was studying I, I did a master's in arts um, I came across the sort of conversational representation again I mean being a British Muslim representation is always something that comes up when you when you think of your identity growing up anyway and how you situate yourself in in you know navigating your society and the world around you you know friendship groups and all sorts and um when i was doing my masters i was looking into um the representation of others in hollywood films and so that conversational representation came up 
um, and it was very, it was a very uh, political time in that we had the war on terrorism and, you know, 9-11 had taken place, 7-7 had taken place. Um, and I guess also being a Londoner at that time, um, you were, whether you wanted to engage in the conversation or not, you were forced to engage in the conversation. You had to put your mark or your stance on, onto the conversation representation. Um, so I kind of, like I say, it was always in the back of my mind, um, this conversation that was happening out there. Um, and then I became, you know, I got married, I moved to Manchester and I became a lover. And I think that's when, you know, I wanted my boys to be into books and I would go to the local shop and, you know, see what I could find. And I, I also work in a school, I'm not sure if I mentioned that. Um, and I found that as much as literature, literature was lovely, it was very much the same narrative. It was the same old, same old. And there was no cultural representation. There was no... Um, you know, people from the communities or religions we talked about. And when you come from a, um, a culture in a community that has a very strong tradition of literature and poetry and language, um, you grew up with stories. So I was like, well, where are these stories? I, I need to see them. I want to see them. I want them for my boys. Um, and so I, I, didn't, I didn't do much with that whilst they were little. But I think... Again, that was a niggle in, in the back of my mind. And um, as I was teaching in school, I, I'm a teacher assistant, so a support assistant. Um, again, it, it would just come up again and again that we, you know, it was like how many years in a row could we do The Hungry Caterpillar or The Gruffalo or Elmer? All gorgeous books, there's no denying that. But it was, it was like, surely we can't keep doing the same stuff. Surely the world is changing, conversations, other conversations needed to be had. So about two and a half years ago, I um, mentioned to a friend that, you know, I would like to maybe set up some sort of um, online bookshop or start um, looking into whether there was kind of more representat representative literature out there. Um, and at the time, a friend of mine um, had recently published a book and it had received a lot of um, critical acclaim in, um, in the UK. Um, it went on to win the Blue Peter um, Children's Book of the Year. Um, and I, so I Facebooked her and said, this is what I'm thinking, but I don't know where to start. Um, and she was kind enough to um, send me her publicist's email. Um, and so I sent him an email just saying, you know, this is what I want to do, but um, I don't know anything about running a bookshop. I'm, I don't know anything about the industry. Um, and he, you know, sent me a lovely email back and, you know, said it's actually not as hard as you think. Um, and his response was so lovely. I thought, ooh, okay, if I can do that to him, then let me do some more research and then send out more emails, which I did. Um, and slowly but surely, I had placed my first order off um, of books, children's books, with a few adult titles. Um, and I um, approached a local uh, coffee shop in Chalton in Manchester. Um, at the so I don't know if anyone knows the tea hive in Chalton, but the owners there were very very kind and uh, offered me space to do my first mini stall, um, and really it's grown from there. I set up an Instagram page, and uh, again I'm not the most tech savvy uh, person or have no background in in social media or marketing or any of that, but. Um, Two and a half years later, I'm, I'm still doing what I'm doing uh, whilst working at a school. Um, so essentially I have two, two full-time jobs, but um, 
I, I love I love both both of them provide um, you know such a uh, such a great um, opportunity to give back, and I think that's what's really important to me. Um, so yeah, so that's that's where I'm at the moment. And um, um, with Mary Wright, I now um, I, I guess one of my biggest focuses was to work with schools. Being being somebody who was already in education, I wanted schools to particularly be the the place where I could make the greatest impact. Um, and so now in the room that I work with, I, I try and liaise with schools and um, curate book packages for them where they can, you know, provide their students with more uh, representative literature. That is very interesting. I'm just going to request you to take a step back just because we have listeners from around the world. Tell us a little bit about what representation is and what is representative literature, just in very simple terms, just so that everybody's on the same page. Yes, of course. So, um, Often when people talk about people from other communities, other cultures, um, they, they use the word diversity. Um, it was really interesting because I was listening to somebody I follow on Instagram and they talked about their complex complexities with the word diversity because diversity still otherizes people. It still says that we're different. And, uh, you know, it, it, again, that was a, a sort of niggle where I was like, I don't want that for what I'm talking about. So for me, representation is about uh, promoting the voices of uh, communities that you wouldn't really usually hear from. So from um, the LBGT community, from the uh, neurodivergent community, from people of different cultures and uh, religions, uh, faith communities. So really just for me, representation is um, a reflection of all voices but particularly those voices being rooted in those, from those people. So I don't need somebody else from another community to write about the community. I wanted to hear the voices from a authentic source in terms of it's coming from someone who has known with or lived with that community or that neurodiversity and them sharing their stories. So, so that's what I, I, I guess I mean by representation. Um, and then representative literature would be literature, again, written from those communities, but with uh, characters um, and protagonists in their stories that re are reflective of those communities. You know, and, and the reason I was passionate about representation as opposed to diversity is because we as communities, as people have, we have the strength of the skills to tell our stories. You know, and I think there's such an onus in that, being able to own your story and tell that. It, there's a real beauty in that. And, then, and you know, for me, I guess it's that um, authentic voice. And not to say that one voice speaks for that whole community. There are multiple voices in and amongst that community. But let it be from there as opposed to somebody else writing it. Um, and so that's what I mean by representative literature. Thank you so much for explaining that. And you told us about Mirror Me Write, uh and you know how you how you got involved so maybe tell us a little bit more about what impact have you made it's been two and a half years and uh you know tell us a little bit about that uh, yeah so i suppose in terms of impact i think like i say the greatest one was in education so um in just last year we uh, we ran a campaign with an author called uh, louise gooding who is a neurodivergent author and together with her, we, um, well, I say we, I'm so used to saying we, but I uh, was able to send um, 800 copies of Marcus Rashford's books to schools across the country. Um, and I think, you know, being able to, again, raise the voice of a 
young um, role model to many children and being able to send that to schools to, to all across the country um, has been you know, something that I can celebrate and said has made an impact. And, you know, when you get um, messages back from school children saying, um, you know, we received your box and we've finally seen ourselves in a book, I guess that's the greatest impact. Um, I've also managed to arrange school visits for, uh, author, sorry, author visits to a lot of schools. Um, and again, I think, you know, for children to be able to meet um, the authors and, you know, authors that they admire and you know people who've written books that they really love and admire I think that's been you know something to celebrate also um so yeah I guess I guess those are two of the things um but I think the the biggest impact for me is being able to sustain um sustain this sustain my work for two and a half years and it shows that there's a need um not long after our ride started um we had the George Floyd um murder and also COVID so you know multiple things were happening and you know to set up a business in that time is pretty volatile and pretty tough but you know actually it was probably some of my busiest periods um and you know I, I'm not not to say that um it, it's been plain sailing it's been like a real graft and real hard work but um you know it, it's been wonderful for me I've been learning growing along the journey and uh, I've met some incredible people and um, I guess I guess what it does show is, is that this is impacting the uh, publishing industry. You know, the publishing industry is being challenged, and I think we need more people like myself. And um, you know, there are other businesses doing a similar thing to what I do, uh, pushing the publishing industry to continue and to not lose this momentum. What challenges have you faced? You referred to some challenges. You started in very challenging times, both with the public discourse around Black Lives Matter as yes. well as the pandemic itself, which, you know, put all, everybody, probably schools and children, most of all, in many ways, uh, under stress and pressure, pressure as well. So how was it to yeah. start, start up during those times? And what, you know, what kept you going? What challenges did you face? Are there any lessons we could learn from that? Yeah, um, no, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, I guess to start any business during COVID was challenging. There was no opportunity to meet people um, you know what I do is very much about making connections with people and you know talking about the books with them so to not be able to go into schools to meet people was was tough um, and again like I say because I, I was just learning the industry and the business to to network with people there were you know so many events that were cancelled um, and I guess because I also myself even though I've been in Manchester a few years I'm um, I'm slowly getting to know you know, the community in Manchester in terms of literature. So, you know, all of those things um, took a bit longer than I would have hoped. But also, I guess, um, around the time of the Black Lives Matter, um, you know, movement, uh, I mean, that's an ongoing movement, but particularly at that time, because it was so heightened by what had happened uh, in America. Um, there were a lot of schools that were very reactionary. And so I would get emails saying, uh, you know, we want to support black businesses and we want black books. And I was like, well, technically I'm not a black business and um, I don't do black books. I do books that are inclusive. You know, the books I promote are for people for all cultures, for all communities. I want everybody to read these books because for me, I want to normalize representation as opposed to what these schools were wanting to do, which was to like magnify into black voices. 
And for me, that wasn't productive. You know, if you want to have true representation, you have to have every voice, but you have to have every voice in a prominent way. And, and as I said, in a kind of as authentic way as possible. Um, so, you know, to also have those conversations with schools and explain to them, um, you know, what my understanding of inclusive books was and, and to kind of bridge their understanding is always going to be a little bit of a challenge. Um, and, you know, just, just like I say, just trying to navigate and, and learn how to set up a business and, you know, get to a website. I mean, I, I spent the first year of Mary Wright selling books via DMing people through Instagram and people messaging me. And, and you know, it worked. It's not that it didn't work, actually. It was um, it was a really easy way to manage things. But to grow, I would then need to go, and, you know, get the, uh, get the um, website going. Uh, and again, you know, in my personal life, because I, I work a full-time job and I have two children to, who are still young and still quite um, dependent on me, um, you know, trying to navigate all those things was tough. It, it's it's not easy. And even now, I'm you know, um, I'm a one-man band. So packing the books, searching for the books, liaising with authors, liaising with schools, liaising with other businesses, you know, it all comes down to me. So it's tough. It's tough. And, um, you know, some things have taken more of a toll than others. Um, I'm not going to lie. The website has suffered a little bit at the moment. But, you know, these are, these are all parts of the journey. And I could either beat myself up about it, give up and, and not bother. But then I'm encouraged by the people who have used my services and have said, Aisha knows her books or, you know, Aisha's got a good contact, so Aisha understands what we want. And and those are the things that kind of keep me going. So yeah, the challenges come with the with the blessings also, I suppose. <laughs> Exactly. I think it's, it's, you know, you need to celebrate the success that you have achieved and the impact you have made by uh, taking these inclusive books to most schools, making it part of the curriculum, which I found very interesting. I I really like that. Uh, It wasn't just about the school library, but you're actually uh, encouraging schools to actually adopt this as part of the curriculum. Yeah, I, I was um, I was really reluctant for schools just to take these books for their libraries, you know, and that's something I, I speak about when I meet schools and meet teachers. It's no point having these inclusive books if you're going to put them in a, a bookshelf because the children won't know to go and get them, you know. So for me, it was very much about being able to incorporate it into your curriculum or to have it present in the classroom so that teachers were, uh, you know, t- teachers were directing the children or children were able to just pick up these books, um, especially from the early years. You know, for me, representation needs to start as early as possible. You know, children need to not understand differences. They just need to see us all as people, you know, from the get go. And um, so, yeah, so I think, like I said, that was really important working with schools um, through the curriculum side of things. Um, also, just going back to something you had mentioned earlier, which was in, in terms of impact. Um, and I, th- I can't take credit for this personally, but I can definitely say that having Mirror Me Right and other businesses like myself, I think one of the biggest impacts is, is that we've been able to um, not keep a pressure on, but keep, keep the publishing industry uh, aware that they need to not lose the momentum of what they are now starting to do. You know, the publishing industry is so behind in terms of having writers, of, uh, you know, writers from other backgrounds and other cultures. And, um, you know, I think this has, had, this has um, had them looking into it more and trying to encourage more underrepresented voices to enter and submit. So hopefully um, one of the impacts is, is that we will keep pressing them to keep delivering and, and hopefully it will grow as an industry. 
Definitely. I think there would be a lot of interest. How can interested people reach out to you and learn more? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm on Instagram as um, Mirumi Wright, all one word. Um, I'm on Twitter as Mirror underscore Wright. And um, schools and individuals can email me on uh, hello at mirrormewrite.com. Um, I'm sometimes also local at the Chawton Market once in a while. Um, so, yeah, so really people can just e- email, message in, uh, DM me, and I try and get back as you know, as quick as possible. And your website as well, if you like to. Yes, um, the website is Um, Like I say, there are quite a lot of books on there, but not the full breadth of the books I have. Um, so, you know, a good way of just finding out is to message and I can always tell people what there is in stock. Um, but yeah, I mean, that there are hundreds of books, but again, with, with Inclusive Book, there are, hundreds and thousands of books but not all of them are good inclusive books and I think that's something I try to um, really look into I try and read as many of the books um, as possible so that when I uh, promote books or when I um, encourage schools to look into books I'm able to you know give a really um, clear and critical sort of understanding of the text uh, to guide them really to see that's whether that's appropriate for them or if that will meet um, the demographics that they want to meet so you know I, I do try to know my books <laughs> very interesting you also cater to adults isn't it uh, you also have some books for adults is that correct yes I do um, I, I would love to grow this I mean uh, like I say at the moment I, I run Romy right from a, a small room in my house um, I think my husband is ready to shoot me. He's like, do we need more books in this house? There is no space. There's, you know, books, book boxes in the hallway, all sorts. But, um, you know, my dream would be to um, to grow this, to grow this to Manchester. I think, you know, when I look at around in Manchester, I see a very, very creative community, but not enough independent bookshops. You know, I mean, we have, we have the Manchester, um, you know, the fantastic Manchester a literary festival and they do attract um you know a, some some great authors and some big names but in terms of our local community i don't feel like enough is being done uh, in terms of um inclusive inclusive books and so gosh the dream would be to be able to actually have a physical space one day um but these are challenges that i need to overcome and learn about and you know if it if it happens it happens if it doesn't i'll keep doing what i do online um, but that would be the dream so that I could actually have more titles in because there are, you know, brilliant adult books um, and also local authors. We have some great um, authors in Manchester. Um, we have uh, Okachukwi Nzulu, who's a local author, um, Daniela Jawondo, who writes YA. So we've got some fantastic, um, you know, authors, again, from sort of underrepresented communities who are writing in Manchester. And it would be great to be able to showcase that. Um, so yeah, so fingers crossed that happens. <laughs> crossed for for you, and we'd love to hear more uh, when when uh, expansion happens. So, what advice would you have for people looking to do something similar in another part of the world? We've got listeners from around twenty one countries. Maybe one of them gets inspired by the journey you've taken and wants to do something similar. So, what are your top tips for them? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I guess the biggest thing is to overcome fears. You know, I've, I found, you know, my life up to date, fear can really hold you back. Um, 
and actually sometimes you just have to just put it out there you know when when I sent the first email I thought oh gosh you know they might think I am not writing this correctly it's not very professional but actually the response was so lovely it, it spurred me on to go oh let me just try my luck and go again and you know like I say I've, I've grown in that journey um, and now I have no qualms going you know I can I have this book I want this book you know I suppose it's it's knowing your capacity and what you're prepared to do but sometimes you have to put yourself out there you have to try um, so I would say to anyone who wants to do something similar go for it really no I, I think the biggest thing I've learned is knowing what you stand for you know as a bookseller knowing what what it is you want to achieve with what you're doing you know if you want to be a normal bookshop with every book that's easy not a problem but if you if you have a focus and for me it was very much having uh, people from you know community similar to mine hearing their voices having their books promoting those books then you know I knew I knew what I wanted from Romo like um it's it's also reflected in in the title so when I when I thought of the company name um people were like why mirroring me right it's a, it's a mouthful it's not the shortest of names but it was a play on you know mirroring us but also you know when I say me not me individually but me my community but the right was in our in writing, but also correctly, you know, like I say, we have those stories. We don't need somebody else to tell our stories. So let us tell our stories. So I think I think once you know what you stand for, once you know what you want to achieve, um, what the crux of what motivates you is, you you know, that gives you your foundation to build on. So I think that would be my my I guess main advice to somebody. Thank you so and, much. And network. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to add a network. You know, get to get to know the industry that you're uh, you're liaising with. Make friends in the industry. Uh, don't don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, these are all things. You know, I, I gosh, I made mistakes um, in the early years, um, and I, I probably will still make mistakes. But again, like I say, till you, till you try, you never know. So much for sharing those tips and I think it would be very useful for anyone listening uh, who might want to do something similar, set up their own little indie bookstore or uh, inclusive bookstore, depending on what, you know, what's appropriate for that culture. And culture. Yes, of course. Uh, so just signature questions are now what's next on the agenda. So I switch gear here and I ask you the four signature questions, which I ask all my guests. And okay. <laughs> the first one is... What do you love the most about Manchester? Oh, interesting. So I'm not going to lie. It took me a few years to start to love Manchester. Um, as I said, I was a Londoner who moved up. And when I first moved up, I knew no one beyond my husband's family. So, you know, it was a whole journey for me. It was a whole new starting point. Um, I had to make new friends. And I think having my children here helped that because it forced me to go out of my comfort zones and attend, you know, baby groups and get to know people. Um, and, you know, eventually I got to, I started going out a bit more. I started working in Manchester. And I think all those things um, helped me to, to grow to love the city. Um, I love the culture, cultural change that is happening in Manchester. Um, there are some lovely events that are now being offered um, the, there's some fantastic institutes here um, and there is generally there is an energy about the city that people want to do things people do want to make change um, sometimes I get a little bit frustrated that that change is a little bit slow in coming 
and it seems to be a lot of the same people involved. But I think slowly but surely more voices will break through. Um, and I hope I might be one of those voices in time. Um, I, I guess what I also love about Manchester is not just the city centre, but its surrounding areas. I think we're, we're you know, it's a very beautifully located to, so they all very near to some really stunning spots. Um, and that and that's lovely to see. So, you know, if, if I say as a trade-off to London, which is a very big city, it's, you know, it, it now also feels very much like home too. Um, it's got a bit of everything. So that's what I love about Manchester. Thank you for sharing that. Where's your favourite place in Manchester? Oh gosh, um, I'd, I'd say maybe around uh, the city centre, um, you know, in institutes like the Whitworth or, you know, I don't think I have one particular place, but I just I just love everything that it has to offer. Sure. What's the most important life lesson you've learned? Um, but I think very much to, to know yourself it would be the most important life lesson, to have faith in what you believe and what you stand for. Thank you. If someone wrote a book on your life, what would they title it? I've got a simple one for you as a prompt. Go for it. Mirror me right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe they would. Maybe they would. Or I don't know. I don't know. You know, your life takes so many twists and turns. Um, so maybe it would be something along that line. You know, the hippocultic journey of fashion, sorry. <laughs> you know, something along those lines. Because it is... The higgledy journey of Aishan, sorry, nice one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, like I say, you you really don't know, you know. It's interesting when I'm in the school system and I see, you know, children at, you know, 11 being asked, where, where do they go for high school? What what do they want to achieve? What do they want to do when they're older? You know, and then again at GCSE, you know, what do you want to do in your life? And, you know, again at A-level, you know, I don't, I think if I go look at my life, I've gone from wanting to be, a vet to a psychologist to a writer to an artist you know your life is just honestly you don't know what's going to happen you don't who you're going to meet along the way I, I never thought I would have left London to to live in Manchester with my husband you know it was something which was never on my mind um so again you you really don't know what uh, gets thrown in and what uh, changes your your angle in life and and again mirror me right four years ago five years ago it wasn't even a, a thought so, you know, for it to come to this and, and now be at the crux of what I want to do more so moving forward, um, it just shows, it just shows that you just, you just can't tell. Maybe, it's, maybe that's the title, you just don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a good one too. So you come up with these titles, that's not bad. <laughs> we got there in the end. <laughs> so uh, this is your opportunity to talk to me about anything that, uh, you know, you, you can't, coming up with something new in the horizon anything that we forgot to discuss yeah like I say um you know I, I started off initially just wanted to change the opinion of a few teachers here and there um actually when I first when I look at the initial um setup of Mary Wright I was looking to work with just schools in Manchester and and it's grown I now I you know I've sent book boxes to schools in Scotland I've sent books to Kenya, to Nigeria, you know, so in, in some ways we've gone international, I've gone international in some ways, it's still very much the UK, but across the UK, um, I would like to just keep building on what I'm doing, 
Um, I would love to work with more schools, particularly in Manchester, being in my locality. Um, I've had more success with schools outside of, and it feels a shame that I can't do more so for the schools in Manchester. I would love to. Um, when I, whilst I was doing Memory Right, I, you know, I knew I wanted to do more. This for me is very much starting. This this might take it might be more a few more years of just doing the setting of the books, but you know, I would love um, in my sort of mirror of dreams, I would love to say that again, like I said, the bookshop would be a dream. Um, you know, to maybe go into publishing would be fantastic. Again, an industry I know nothing of um, in terms of actually being a publisher, but maybe something to look to. Um, but one thing that I would like to start more imminently. Um, there's been some, well, I've been talking about um, starting a Miramu Write Book Club for schools. Um, so I've actually been working on that at the moment and um, I need to start liaising with schools about that. Um, but yeah, I'm building on something called the Mirror Masters. Um, so that will just be a, a book club that can be run in schools. Um, Miramu Write would obviously provide the books for that to sustain it. But yeah, that's something I'm, I'm looking to currently. Thanks so much, Aisha, and I wish you good luck with all those dreams. They, they sound wonderful, and I hope they all come true at the right stages in your life. Oh, thank you so much, Deepa. You know, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, and uh, like I say, this is all very much learning for me, so I, I've been very blessed and very grateful for where I've got to now. But yeah, there's still work to be done. There's always work to be done. I think when you work in the areas of inclusion and representation, it doesn't stop. It, it becomes life work, as you said, and it's very much about making so let's hope it doesn't stop. <laughs> Aisha, thank you for talking to me and my listeners. Thank you all for listening from so many countries around the globe. I'm so glad to know you're finding some inspiration from the amazing Mancunian guests who feature here. I hope you enjoy the 11th episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast season 2. Tune in every Tuesday for a, for a new episode. Please do consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. I will also be grateful if you could share this podcast with a friend or a family member. Thank you.